We want to talk about faith. We want to talk about um, politics. We want to talk about race. We want to talk about pop culture. Literally, everything, everything, everything is up for discussion, and that's what French culture is about. About. Brunch culture. Brunch culture. Brunch culture. Brunch culture. Brunch for brunch culture. And oxtails. Yeah, you got me hungry now. I want some oxtails so bad. <laughs> I know people, if you don't know what oxtails are, because apparently people don't know what oxtails are, and I've met people that are like, oxtails, what are those? I guess I it's a southern thing. Chicken. I need some oxtails. Oxtails is. When you cook them right, they're real tender. They Don't fall off the hungry. bone. It's I like I didn't eat this morning. Just close your eyes, Lisa. Let's come on. Let's no, do it together. I, let's close. I want to get through this, and I'm hungry. We, I know. Let's close our eyes <laughs> and let's just picture oxtails with the juice falling <laughs> off. And I don't get the rice, so take the I'm rice out. I'm not really an oxtails fan. What? I want some fried chicken though. No, I had. I've had fried chicken way too much. I hadn't. I've actually, been on the carb list. I've been. Like cutting carbs, I cut out sodas for all of those who are chronicling my soda journey. I'm Come back on a hundred percent pink grapefruit juice. All right, okay, no sodas, no sodas, just a hundred percent juice, not the fruit cocktail either. Juice. <laughs> you say fruit cocktail, that's supposed to help you lose weight. Fruit pink cocktail, gra- pink grapefruit juice, 100% oh, pink pink grapefruit juice. Mm, I hate grapefruit juice though. It it's an acquired awesome. taste, yeah, but I'm addicted to it now that I now that you have it. I might try that. But yeah, I, I just need some oxtails. Oxtails is nothing like oxtails. It's yeah, it's so good. The meat is so good and it's like it's juicy. And then when people season it right, it's just it's one of those things that you chew and then you just like close I just like sit there and I chew it for a long time. And it's just like, yeah, this is good. <laughs> oxtails. Anyway, so <laughs> hopefully we get out of here. Um, yeah, we can go grab us some oxtails. Or I'm going to go grab me some. My mama told me not to get no oxtails, but, you know, I'm home and I'm visiting. And when I get back, it's going to be no home-cooked meals and protein shakes and green stuff and just trying to get right because... I've been eating a lot of salad. Yeah, summer is two months away, mm-hmm. three months away. Yeah, I don't think I'm gonna be ready in time, but <laughs> by when I be, I'll be where I want to be. <laughs> by when? It'll <laughs> be winter time, fine, right? So, diving into this week's scroll. Well, yeah, this is brunch culture. You guys are listening to brunch culture. If you didn't know, you're listening to brunch culture. And brunch culture. Yeah. Br- 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 brunch culture. And I'm your boy, Randall Keith. And I'm Lisa V. <laughs> Lisa V. So, did you hear about uh, Superhead and Columbus Short? So, you know, I just. <laughs> the fact that her name, I still get. I still get tickled that we have to call her Superhead. What is her real name? It's Corinne Stephens. Okay. But nobody, the saddest thing is, 
I don't think anybody, I don't know anybody that will just say Corinne Steffens and you automatically know who she is. Because I would most, Yeah, most people say. I would have been like, is that uh, Chris Brown and his girlfriend? <laughs> Car- Karuchi. Karuchi. Everybody <laughs> says Corinne Steffens, you know, Superhead. Or they'd be like, Superhead. Well, Corinne Steffens now. So it's like, it's it's almost like it's a tagline of her name. Who like named her Superhead? I think one of the rappers or something like that she used to, or like, I think it was her ex, because she, she used to give head so long until like her nose would bleed. Oh, that's yeah. so interesting. <laughs> that's, that's, that was her <laughs> thing. Like, apparently she talked about it in a book, but I remember seeing, maybe it was like a special or something like that, and oh, they were like, that was her, that was her talent. That's, that's and, so sad that you know about it. Like, that's your, like, your claim to fame. She make I, I mean I guess she making it work. She got Columbus short, and I don't had, know if that's a prize though. He had the scandal checks though. They I don't think the scandal checks work because I think they ran out. He nah, been, he on been on for like two, a, years. two years. What? They didn't got a black man that partly looked like him. It's like man, you really replaced him. Oh, I thought it was I thought it was just a year. You know, side note, I think that black man and Millie gonna start getting it in. What black man? On scandal, you and me keeping up. Wait, which which black man? The man they replaced Columbus Short with. No, not with Millie. Yeah, did you no. see the last episode? I didn't see the last oh, episode. Oh, okay. You I just see don't, the last no. episode. I was just like, they about to make them start talking. No. You can't. No, that would be weird. No. We, <laughs> no, no. I think they are. It was a lot. Because he was like, really went in. and t- I, I won't spill it. I'll let you watch the episode. So, uh, yeah, no. But these people, uh, Corinne Steffens and Columbus Short, I didn't see it until you told me about this video. And I didn't even know they were a couple. I didn't know that she Apparently, was Apparently, they said they found love with each other. And they got married on the fly. So here's the thing that, that blows me about this whole situation. How can Columbus Short cheat on Corinne Steffens when she says that there's a video where she says no matter what, any dude that she's with will have to accept the fact that Wayne is, Lil Wayne is not going anywhere. And if he calls, she's going to jump up and go. How, how, how can anybody cheat on you? If that's your life, like, what if they have, you know, a little Kim, and it's like, when little Kim calls, I just gotta go. You know, you can't. That's not. But I mean, this is the thing. This is what blowed me about it. I didn't know about the Lil Wayne situation till you told me. This is what got me. He, she posted that he cheated, and then put it on Instagram. Then two days later, was like, I want to fight for my marriage. What? How do you expose your husband on social media, embarrass him, two weeks later, two days later say, I want to fight for my marriage. I love my husband. Then he says we were never married. I don't even know what's going on. I think all together this is a lesson of just keep your relationship crap off social media. If everybody would stop posting about the highs and the lows of your relationship, then, like, you won't be out here looking stupid in these streets when <laughs> you throwing folks' clothes. Clearly, they sitting there unbothered in a chair. You talking about somebody cheating on you, but we people bringing up, pulling up past footage of you saying you never going to leave Lil Wayne, yeah. and now and you somebody you want to fight for your marriage, but he was like, you ain't got no marriage. Like, yo, just stop telling us. Yeah, and it's like... You know, they was on there trying to give relationship advice, and they just knew that, you know, that kills me. If you just let, if you just, if (laughs) if everybody would just say, you know what, there's certain things we're going to keep to ourselves, Um, and I'm not finna 
I'm not gonna tell people about every little detail of our relationship and if it starts to go sour, you know, I'll, I'll reveal it once it's over. So it could be like a good, wow, I knew all that stuff was going on as opposed to, dang, I, I saw you, one minute you're happy, one minute you're sad, one minute you're up, you're super head, the next minute you're down and you're career and stuff. I, I'm a, if, your, if your social media timeline is gonna be bipolar, just leave it. Yeah, just just hang it up. Because <laughs> we can't medicate. We can medicate uh, you. We can't medicate your timeline. We can't, <laughs> we can't medicate your timeline at all. You know who else might need to be medicated? K. Michelle. She oh, went off on Angela Yee this week okay. on a breakfast club. Yeah. It seemed like K. just always. And I love, if you know me, you know I love K. Michelle because I think she is very, very talented. Outside, of, I don't like when she get dramaed out. But outside of that, she could sing her behind off. She's an amazing singer. I bought her album. Um, she's an amazing singer. She's a, a writer. She writes her stuff. She plays instruments. She is talented. She could sing. Kay could sing. But yeah, she has a song on her album called God Knows. I did it. I didn't buy the last album. I bought the album before last. But uh, God, I get it. It's an amazing. It can almost be a gospel song, like she's saying. You know, that was her first album, the one with VSOP on it. No, I don't. I didn't buy that one. Oh, okay. She has three now. Oh, wait. Okay. All right. I'm confused, but yeah, I just know the album with VSOP. When she had the whole song about um, I'm gonna f you like I'm paying bills. And no, I, I like, had it. You know what, Kay? I'm okay, cause the, it was the lyrics was just too simple. She was like, George Power, Cable Bill, uh, Water Company, some crap, and it's like, what are you talking? What? Like, I didn't hear that. No. Album. Like, what, the second album what is this? was better when okay. she had she has a song called God, I Get It. Okay, I'm a mess and I admit it. It's, okay. it's like very like very transparent. Where she's yeah. like, I shouldn't have. I've been doing dumb things and yeah. I'm reaping the consequences for these dumb things. God, I get it. I'm okay, messing that's I, admit it. I can get into that. that that's always dope. I was like, you know, this could go on gospel radio. So I love him and Shell, but I feel like she just feels like she has she goes from zero to a hundred for no reason. I don't even yeah. So when I was when I was listening to it, because you know, I kept hitting I literally and you know, I've lately in the past like wow, almost a year, I really haven't been on social media consistently that much. Like it's been really bad. But she was saying, I kept seeing people uh, post it. Every time I would like click on like Instagram, I would see it, like a picture of Kay Michelle and Angela Yee. And then a friend of mine, she texted me and was like, what do you think about Kay Michelle and Angela Yee? And I'm like, I don't know. So I went, I downloaded the, the interview, watched the interview, downloaded like the subsequent talking that they were doing on The Breakfast Club about it. And at the end of the day, Kay Michelle was just completely, it's, I just don't think that, I feel like she was, out of line, but not necessarily out of line because she's expressing her feelings or just kind of going there. It's just like her position, she didn't have a valid leg to stand on. She's saying, you know, as a woman, you shouldn't have did this. As a woman, you shouldn't have did that. But it's like she didn't bring you up. She brought the situation up and said hypothetically, like, if you are doing, if you're sleeping with a woman that has an odor to her, what does that say about you as a man? Does that mean like you can't get a better woman? Does that mean you just as nasty as you're trying to put, make her out to be? Like, it's just, I feel like Angela Yee, where she was coming from, 
it made sense. Like, as she explained it, she was like, you know, I didn't say anything during the interview because I couldn't remember what happened. But then I went back and realized what happened. And it was kind of like, yeah, I wasn't even talking about you. Why are you going off? Like, but K. Michelle, I feel like she just really had some issues. I feel like, too, the apparently the Love and Hip Hop cameras were in the building and they were actually recording the interview. So I feel like that probably added to the reason. Basically, it just adds to, you know, storyline and this gets you more camera time. Everybody's talking about it now, so then they'll be able to get K. Michelle's side of it when the show comes out. Yada, yada, yada. The, the, the life cycle of uh, reality TV. That's how it happens. Yeah. That's crazy. You know we live in this crazy world where all lives matter. Yeah. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's, you know how much it annoys me when people pull that one out of them. Yeah, because, you know, all lives matter. And what about black-on-black crime? All right, all right, <laughs> here we go. Call I- Somebody get ISIS on the phone and let them just come kill us all because it doesn't make any sense. Like, that's, just shut up. So I brought that up because apparently three KKK members uh, were charged in a prison murder plot. Uh, this is so crazy because it's like, we don't, when we say this all lives matter, we're not, we're we're trying to shade like this idea of racism in our country, exactly. but it's like, this is structural racism. Exactly. These prison, prison, um, prison workers, employees were about to kill a black inmate. Yeah. And 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 but you you hear people say all the time that this whole thing of like we're post racism, you know, in order for us to get ahead, black people need to stop making everything like a race thing. But you see people in powerful positions that are being paid by these same black people's tax dollars, these same people's money they're paying by, and then they're they're in turn you're paying somebody to prey on you or people that look like you or people from your community because even if it's not black people, it's people that are uneducated or people people that are in impoverished communities or even people that are educated like it's just you know what i'm saying it's like you're a part of your you're you're paying into a system and you're doing something that's right but you can be subject to somebody that is looked at you and said oh well you're this type of person i'm gonna treat you this type of way because you know you you fit the stigma or this is how i, I know how your people are your kind is like that's that's why that's why Black Lives Matter is real and it's so prevalent and it's so important because we see from these types of issues that it's bull. Like, it's not the whole idea that we're post-racist. Racism isn't just, you know, I'm, I'm Jim Crow. Racism isn't just uh, slavery. Race, racism isn't just like, hey, I, I hate you, you N-word, or, you know, I specifically can't stand black people. Like, it is because it, it is systematic and it has been for so long. People have developed these biases against other people. And it's just like, that's where the problem, that's what Black Lives Matter is tackling. That's why people are asking for a voice because of these things. And when we see things like this, hardcore evidence, you still have people that will cry, all lives matter. And that's why I don't have time. And for this is why people, we must stay woke. Because this, the FBI had to come and take these people down. Three KKK members working at a prison full of black. 
it's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. But you will still like I, with situations like this. I still I hate. You know I hate. I say this all the time. I hate reading comment sections. But situations like this, I want to go to the comment section just to see what somebody that still will say. You know this isn't racism. Like how do you, how do you walk your way around this one? Because there's no way to do it. Like this is very clearly. It can, what else could it be like? Systemic. Yeah, it, it can. <laughs> the people that have power and that are making decisions are part of a hate group, and they're conspiring to kill someone based on their race. Mm, the person is already in prison as well, so you know what I'm saying. And they're right. <laughs> I'm. I'm thankful. Honestly, I, I'm thankful that he even they even got charged because of. People don't consider black lives to matter. They aren't incarcerated. Exactly. But black lives that have been um, incarcerated are kind of swept under the rug. Yeah. Or kind of so, shout out to the FBI for even, you know, investigating this and not sweeping this under the rug under and the saying, rug. hey, they matter even though they're in prison. Black exactly. prisoners' lives matter too. Because we've seen, we've seen it and I feel like in so many cases, we, we've definitely seen that. We've seen... Um, you know where there there are no indictments or people are trying to just literally covering things up and keeping things hushed and are just aren't doing any additional investigations. We've seen that and we see it so often. To have a situation where the FBI will say, "Hey, you know what? Let's look into this and let's try to let's see if there is uh, something happening here or let's do something about it and do something and allow that to go public." That says a lot. Like, yeah, I mean. I, the the whole story for me just says how could you know something like this happens and not know after did you watch the uh, Black Panther documentary? No. Really good, really really good. Like for me, it was knowing that the the like the federal government, the president was a part of disbanding this group of people if anybody ever has a question about you know if there could be a misuse of power I mean this it's documented that there has been this these are people that are part of the party and that weren't a part of the party that are saying yeah like documentation we doesn't matter apparently <laughs> yeah, history clearly. doesn't matter yeah it was so funny so we're having an event for my nonprofit and the type is a discussion called do black lives matter to Jesus and a friend of mine, that's a white elderly gentleman, mm -hmm. I would consider him a friend. He's helped me out in, you know, just networking, um, posted about this long thing about, you know, we don't need to be separated. And so somebody, I don't get involved in the comments or my timeline because it's just too... It's too some and I was just like, the post was really the promoting event, not for yeah. you to go on. And so she was like, the lady was trying to explain why the black church even exists to him. And he was just like, we're, we got to live in the now, not going back through history. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. But and that's just like, facts matter. Like, right. it's just not. But mention bombing of Pearl Harbor and watch what happened. <laughs> oh, patriotism. Oh, like, you, you, we have to deal and facts, and we, we consistently have to address things of our past, whether it's to honor those things, whether it's to realize how those things have shaped who we are today. We gotta see how we got here. Exactly, this is, all, this is why in school you have to take history. 
Every year you're in school, you have to take some form of history, American history, uh, Western history, uh, even social studies. Like, you have to take these courses. So the idea that when it's inconvenient for somebody else, you, you're supposed to say, well, we got to look forward or look at the now or look at the future and ignore the past. But you make every child take history. It doesn't make any sense. You've trained us, essentially every child, to be cognizant of what has happened. And as the old saying going, like, you have to know where you've been in order to know where you're going. That idea is like, <laughs> uh, yeah, it, but it's only when it's convenient for people that we, they get to use this, this story of, well, you're holding us back. You're bringing up race. The reason that we're having these problems is because you keep, all right. Yeah, it's crap. It's really crap. So, guys, tell us what you think about what we've talked about today on the scroll, and we'll be back for our main dish. All right, we're back with our main dish. Our main dish. My yes. my vocals aren't as good as they usually are. As you know, I'm a singer, Grammy Award, almost. Um, Sounds a bit rough, Lisa. Uh, <laughs> I think the people have gotten used to, you know, you coming in with your the, yeah, the little I, rhythm coming that out you with got. Something and is... you know, we have uh, the Doctor Jalal Hayes with us. Um, Dr. Hayes is a very um, prominent iota. Um, and so disrespectful. Um, we're, we're not going. Yeah, we're, we're not going to do that. Gonna... <laughs> no, he's a Kappa yeah. man with uh, just like yeah, um, yeah. Randall, who's who was an inspiring Sigma, but he he ended up being a Kappa. He went from blue to red. So um. You know, uh, so we're gonna end this podcast, um, guys. This will be the last time that you'll be hearing Lisa V on the show. We're gonna just completely, and no disrespect to you know any other fraternities, you know Greek love, but uh, yeah, we gonna we're gonna Lisa's gonna be done, uh, and we're gonna move forward. <laughs> so welcome, Doctor Doctor Hayes. Um, Doctor Hayes is the youngest graduate of with his PhD from Delaware State. University, which is a HBCU. Um, shout out to HBCUs. I wish I would have went to a HBCU, but I went to all PWIs, so I don't have the HBCU experience. Um, but yeah, shout out to, to take you sometime. Where you at? You, you, I already got my Florida, master's. Right? Yeah, I. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'm going to get there. that. It don't matter. We can still take you to family and have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> I've been on the hill. I've been on the hill. I've uh, oh, okay. a lot of my friends graduated from there, uh, but I okay. think I'll be. I'm a little too old to be hanging out with the uh, the the youngins. It, it, uh, uh, you, I'm. I'm. I have right. one that's, more that's year to thirty. Old, 
Uh, that's, uh, that's why they go old school parties. You'll be fine. <laughs> You'll be fine. I mean, like the girl in here with her AARP card. She's 30 years old. That's why they got the old school card. Trying to hang with the, the undergrads. I'm Lisa B, the oh, originator. AARP. Just like the, uh, when you see the like elderly Greeks hanging at the young party still. Oh, wow. <laughs> Be like a Delta deer, like, yeah, I can see a chicken. But uh for those who uh don't know you, um, for our listeners, um, just tell them a little bit about who you are and, and what you do in your history. Um Well again, I'm just first of all I'd like to thank y'all for having me and definitely I'm just a man who works hard and plans on how you're going to become successful in life. And I was grateful to start a journey at 15, and seven years later, ended at 22. And we look and just thankful for everything, the mentors, friends, and family, and all those who contribute towards the success that I have up to this date. So that's just to summarize everything. I'm not a genius or anything. I'm, I'm a very hard worker. I'm very, if I want to get something, I'll do anything in my power to go and get it. Just simple as that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's blood, sweat, tears. That's amazing. <laughs> that is definitely amazing. So I wanted to uh, talk about, because, you know, we... We share this. We talk about this uh, a lot on the show, and I've, I share this with a lot of my circles of friends. We talk about how you know becoming successful is so easy to kind of get wrapped up in self and to get wrapped up in you know your success. You feel like I work hard, so now it's time for me to you know er- live off the fruits of my labor and just really enjoy them and do all the things that I want. But I think what makes you so unique and your story so special, man, is the fact that you are. You've, you're extremely young. You're 22. You're really successful. You have a PhD. You graduated high school at 15. Um, and you are the definition, the epitome to me of someone that could have anything that they want. Literally can walk in a room or can apply for something to go somewhere and say, hey, look, I want this. Here's my resume. Here's what I achieve. Oh, by the way, here's my driver's license. Check my age like that's And people be like, oh, yeah, we got to get him, you know. But you have done something. I mean, you're doing something that's unique to say, I want to help people from. Uh, underprivileged communities. I want to help the, the those people that are disenfranchised, those people that don't have, you know, a lot of opportunities. I want to create a space where I can help them out so I can help them understand what STEM is, but do it in a way that's not so, you know, so tense and so so stiff and, and do it in a way that it incorporates, you know, the arts. It incorporates things that are fun, but are also beneficial. So like, what what's your passion behind that? What what drove you and pushed you to actually do that, as opposed to just saying, "Hey, you know, I got my PhD. Let me go out here and get this money and just live it up." Well, I just believe um, just gotta help people. Yeah, to be honest, it's all about staying humble. Just stay humble on what you do. If you try to go and if you try to go in, let's say, to achieve all the success, mm-hmm. what what does it really mean to you? 
Right. If you achieve all the success that you're not helping nobody else get there. And I think that's the key. A lot, I see a lot of people, they say, well, they're going to try to help achieve success to others. I mean, achieve success by showing them what they have. That's nice, but if you can actively play a part in their life, I think that'd be a little more empowering than yeah. just saying, okay, I got mine. Let me go try to. I got mine, so I hope you get yours. Right, and right. I, <laughs> <laughs> and I, don't, I don't think, I mean, I don't think, honestly, that's just not the way to go. Because everybody needs help. Yeah. Because everybody needs help. We need to be realistic with ourselves that we all help. We all need help. And so I just want to provide an avenue to try to help others. This is somebody help me. That's dope. So you, you you share this, and I just kind of want to uh, point this out because I, I want to give kudos to uh, the teacher of yours that you said really was influential in, in helping you at the beginning stages of life. Like, let's give her a shout out and tell us a little bit about, like, what that meant to you and exactly what it was that she did for you that helped you kind of in the beginning stages of your, your academic career. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, the teacher. Oh, I'm bad. The teacher that really helped me throughout my um my first I would classify her as my first mentor. Shout out to Miss Strickland. She's the one that really encouraged encouraged me as well as my my parents to try to do this. Not even just do this journey. This is way before the journey, but mm-hmm. just give me encouragement that I can actually do something with my life. Um, when I start, when I started out of school, I was labeled retarded. Not labeled retarded, but I was labeled that I wasn't on reading level. Mm-hmm. And that and Mr. was able to try to help me come in that, help me in terms of like over the summer. So I'm just so with her. I consider her my first men- mentor because if it wasn't without her, I don't know if I'd be the man I am today. And she encouraged me that since I was needing of help I should help others as well when I get my chance a little success I should get back and try to help others as well that's amazing because so many people uh, even with people that invest in them at an early age they forget those people and don't (laughs) you know don't honor them so I'm thankful that you still have a heart to honor those who invested in you and that you really took her advice and that you're dedicated to giving back to others um, because that is so rare. And I think um, our our teachers kind of help shape and develop who we are. And so um, you have, and she took that, um, that and said, hey, I'm not going to allow you to be, to be hindered just because they think that you're not you won't have success I'm going to work with you and that's really what that really is showing that in her mind no child gets left behind and I think that's a great story as for teachers to have exactly and honestly I believe teachers have a great gift and I would support when most teachers say that they want to hire pay I completely 100% agree with that because Without teachers, you won't have the doctors, the lawyers, the judges, the entrepreneurs, right. the game changers, the disruptors. You won't have any of that because the teachers is the main. I want to I want to say they the main person that drives them to become successful. 
but they part of that process because until a student in the United States, until you finish the 12th grade, you have to see a teacher every day. Mm-hmm. So the teacher plays that eight plays a part of your life eight hours in that day. Therefore, they help influence and shape your world as you see, as you see fit best. And if you, and this is where my experience of teaching comes into play. If you, I see that sometimes that I may not get that impact on that day or maybe even that week. But if you're trying to, if that child at least get one motivational message from you or at least get that one point that you're trying to drive throughout the whole year, you can you can inspire, you know, you never, you never know, you can inspire the next astronaut, you can inspire the next um, talk show host, you never know. Mm-hmm. Right. So I believe teaching is a very profound field, and if you get a chance to teach, do so. And don't just do it for a paycheck to paycheck. Do it because you, you love to do it and you want to inspire others to teach take themselves to the next level. It may not be high school, it may not be ministry. It may not be high school or it may not be ministry. You may want to build on a um, professorial skill. Whatever it is, try to just get back to teaching because somebody can use the knowledge that you acquired throughout your years of experience. How important, um, and just hear you talking about um, your teaching experience and also the fact that you focus on STEM how important is it for us to have African American teachers teaching our um, African American students that are in inner city neighborhoods? Because so many times um, they're thrown away, or t- say people will stereotype and say they can't learn, um, or well, black kids on any level sometimes don't are are. There it's said about them they can't learn or they're not smart enough to understand um, science and, and technology and mathematics. Um, do you think it's just because we learn differently um, as African Americans or th- is there anything that you could see that we just because I know for me I think that African American teachers communicate a lot better um, with with other African Americans, I don't think it's think that we can't learn. I don't think it that we can't learn at all. I think that sometimes our Caucasian brothers and sisters that teach don't know how to communicate in a way that's effective to us. I think you brought up a very good point. It's all about it. To simply put it, it's all about exposure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If we see ourselves as doing it, I believe we say we can do it. And I can attest to that based on my own experience. I had a, well, maybe going to chemistry, I had an African-American chemist that taught me. Mm-hmm. He had years of experience. Um, shout out to Ms. Peters. That was my actual um, chemistry teacher as well as my other chemistry teacher, Ms. Parker. And both black women, both were chemists. And what they showed, and that was first, number one in exposure. And the exposure, they not only showed me, um, they not only showed me a way of doing the science, they put in a vernacular which we as African Americans can understand. And mm-hmm. I think being exposed with African American teachers and not just in STEM, but just in general, we feel like there's a warm environment, especially right. they're from the same 
environment being away from. For example, I teach I teach in South Philadelphia and I'm from North Philadelphia originally. Mm-hmm. And when I first talked to my students, I realized that we all from the same well not same but similar backgrounds and therefore I could communicate the same way in which they understand me and vice versa. Mm-hmm. However, there's a time and a place to do the talk that way, but there's also a time and place where we have this code switch and speak in a way in which so we can understand there you the go. vocabulary, the terms, the phonics that we need in order to take it to the next level. There and that's you what's go. important. And there I, you what go. I realize in terms of inner city kids, inner city neighborhoods, they have a lot of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. They got a lot of knowledge. The key is they got to take that knowledge that they have and stop using it for street sense, but using the classroom sense. Absolutely, and yeah. I think I think I think you brought up an incredible part when you said code switching because I think it's in, it's really important because code switching is something that I believe that we learn from an early age. Um, I know for me, and I'll just use myself as an example. When certain people call, I would definitely hear my mom talk a different way than when like my aunt called or like my uncle called, and so in my, in my mind. It became like, oh, that's the way that that's that's kind of the way that I should talk. But when it came to education, right, there was really nobody to really show me how that happened to even let me know what I was doing um, to acknowledge that. But to even show me as well, you know, how this plays into me learning in, in my learning environment so that it's OK for me to to talk to my friends in such a way that is not going to be, you know, the most pristine or the most professional, if you will. Um, But then to understand that once I'm hit with reading something or consuming something that to me seems so foreign and so different to have somebody that understands that idea of code switching and saying, okay, so this may mean this, but in your normal conversation, you're actually talking about these things. You're using the same word, right? You're using slang in a, I mean, you're using slang, but the the way that you're using it, this is actually what this this word means. So you, you you're not uh you're you're not pissed. You, this person wasn't pissed. They may have been disgruntled, and it becomes oh wait, that's what that okay gotcha. So now I have a point of reference that actually makes sense to me. That is not just something that I learned from a definition. Um, and so I think that I think I think I'm so glad that you pointed it out because it's one of the things that. You know, I don't think we think about. It. I think oftentimes with a lot of with a lot of our our children, a lot of black kids, people say, and particularly because I do a lot of focusing on black kids, but black kids that um, are in low income areas or lower middle class uh, families, or you know, they may be in a single parent home. A lot of times, people take what they don't know from inability to learn without understanding mm. that it's just simply ignorance and it's ignorance mm. and it's misguided so it's not that I'm incapable of learning I just don't have the guidance that is familiar the guidance that's comfortable to bring me out of yeah. this area and I think that's what's really important I'm so, so I'm so glad that you you pointed that out it's, it's the guidance and also the entrance that's yeah. where I said like part of my company is the engagement part because mm-hmm. if you you got you got a real kids in basically right. because they already walk especially in STEM they already walk in the class let's be realistic they already walk in the classroom I say I throw my hands up I don't know math or science right 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 that, that's what I get a lot of times yeah and I'm and you got to try to decode that thinking that perception of 
black to not good for math and science. We got to decode that. Absolutely. And yeah. and it's hard. It's hard because because I'm looking at saying y'all not good at math and science, but yet y'all got drug dealers on the corner selling the coke. Absolutely. Y'all don't think that's math and science? Yeah. He said, "What do you mean?" I said, "Well, you got the mathematician. He counting the money. Uh huh. He got he got split the profits. Mm-hmm. They gotta use you gotta use your brain do the money count." You mess that, you get killed. Mm-hmm. You got the science. The guy know how to make the coke, make the heroin. Right. That's chemistry. Mm-hmm. They said, "Wow." Well, I said, "Yeah." So y'all capable? Y'all just using it in the wrong way. That's all. Absolutely. <laughs> Man, yeah. Yeah. And once you break it down to them in that sense, you bring in the reality, and you now say, "Okay." They said, "Oh, we do now." Okay, now we know we can do it. Now y'all got. Now we can. I can get y'all to listen to what I got to say. Exactly. Mm-hmm. On how to approach it. Mm-hmm. But but that's the problem. A lot of people when they gain the education. This is what I I've learned. A lot of people gain the education. They can't break it down to that level, and that's comes for being a similar background. If you don't come from that background or you don't know anything of that background, how you can explain it to a kid or a student that type of knowledge? Right. You can't do it because you don't understand. And a kid or the student can say, okay, he's my teacher, but is he real? Especially yeah, exactly. in a city. Yeah. Because you need that, you need that relatability. That, you need to be able, I need to be able to connect with you. I need to be able to understand that, you know what, not only are you, you're not just somebody here. Because I, I remember being a kid and being very, like, leery of people that I felt like were coming in to save me because in my mind I don't need to be saved I'm good like if I need if I need a hero I got a mama that's gonna come and you know (laughs) be my hero I don't need you to come in and look at me like oh well woe is you you're an inner city kid and you know you're just so horrible it's like no treat me like a regular kid let me connect with me and understand that you know whatever I do lack I lack it with ignorance, right? And I'm lacking it. And I'm even, I probably don't even understand that I'm lacking it. Um, but you coming in and saying, hey, I know how it is to be in this situation. Or even if it's not a personal experience, you know, you're regular. There are some things that about you that's really good. There's some other things that I see that I want to help you improve. And I want to show you why it's important for you to improve it. So let's go on this journey together. You know what I'm saying? To me, that's what that's what kids want. I don't want you to come in and just tell me that my whole get up is jacked up and I just, you know, I need somebody to come in and save me. Because I'm looking at you like, I don't need no saviors. I got a mama. <laughs> I don't. They, 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 they say, and that's what I think a lot of, and that's where the passion comes in. Right. The teaching, that's where it comes in. Because people would have pursuing paycheck to paycheck, they won't see that. They say, oh, he's just a bad behind kid. No, he yearning for love, but he don't know how to express it. Exactly. That's all it is. Exactly. And you, and you got to sit down with them where you have a little what we call an high school intervention, you got to sit down with them and say, listen, you ain't bad. You just trying to get me kicked out. You just trying to get me to leave. Because yeah. that's cause in the inner city, that's what they do. Okay, we're going to see how long this teacher lasts because the, the other one left us. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to see how long you going to last. I remember in sixth grade, bro, sixth grade English, I went through, we went through like eight <laughs> teachers. Yeah. It was, yeah. <laughs> but, but that's what kids do. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was, we gonna know. say, okay, we gonna see how long you gonna last. You, you, you the new guy on the block. We gonna see how long you gonna last. I, I went through it. There's a little plastic project they put you through. All right, we we gonna give you all this stress, and we gonna see how long you gonna last. Right. When you gonna drop up out of here? And then if you, then once you stay, they say, okay, he a real dude. He understand. I, he 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 not gonna he he really care about it. Then they start coming in trying to have conversations with you, trying to get engaged with you, try to understand how you live. And then once you related to them, but keep still keep it professional. They say, okay, you know what? I can respect this guy. And that's one thing I can speak from an inner city um, teacher experience, but also an inner city student experience. We thrive off of relationships. Before yeah. we want to learn, and we can't relate to you, we ain't trying to hear what you got to say. Absolutely, it's foreign. That's that's all it's about. And once we can relate to you, they go say, "Okay, now I, now I want to listen to you because I know you really trying to help us." Exactly, I know you care, and that's 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 the thing. It becomes, I know you care. So even if it is something that I'm not necessarily interested in, I'm actually just gonna pay attention to it because you know I feel like you're a cool dude. I feel like you're you, you're a cool person. I admire who you are and what you do. So it's like, well, at least let me consume what you have to give. And it's so funny too because I I talk talk about like my sixth grade experience. Um, I remember being in the sixth grade and we were all. I don't know if school was set up like this for y'all, but we were all, we kind of, whoever you had like homeroom with, you travel with the same group of kids throughout the entire day. Y'all just switch classes mm-hmm. together. And so there were some teachers, same group of kids, we'll get in and we shut up, we respected them, you know, we, we, we got whatever they were teaching, we would pay attention and listen to it. And then there were some some teachers, the class, our English teacher that we went through, eight teachers, it just became like... Every everybody would just go go buck wild and just kind of do what they want to do, and it's like these are the same. If you would see us an hour earlier, completely different group of kids. But the one of the things mm-hmm. when we we started off in that very first cl- that class, I remember the very first day, the teacher telling us um, that she had hers that we just got to get ours. So she didn't care. She was like, if y'all don't, if y'all whether y'all get it or not, I don't care because I got mine. So if only one of y'all pass or nobody passes, I don't care. And I really feel like she set the tone for the rest of the year of people just saying, oh, you don't care? Well, I don't care either. It is what it is. Like, I'll respect these other people because they've showed at least that they're trying to get us to learn. Like I remember my our math teacher for the same group saying he wanted he was like I want everybody in here to not just pass my class but to walk out understanding everything that we learned the entire year. And he was like and I don't care how smart or dumb that you think you are, you actually are capable of doing it. If I can do it, you can do it. Trust me. I hated math. Now I'm a math teacher. And so we would be completely different. It's like night and day from how we were in his class to how we were in the other class. It was, yeah, and it really was. You you told us that you cared. We saw the passion. We, we, we kind of got this connection and built this relationship. So I trust you and this other person or these other people, these other eight people that end up filtering in and out. It was just like, y'all just here for a paycheck. Y'all don't care nothing about us. Like, Yeah. And I see that all the time, even in, a, even in adults. I work with a nonprofit that helps educate uh, the Christian community that that focuses on the African-American context. And one of the things that's frustrating is when I hear um, kind of my 
white brothers and sisters kind of down the black church and say, oh, well, there's no rich theological education. And then when I talk to my my friends that are in the in the black context, that a context that I'm coming from, they've never heard of some of the things I'm mentioning. So it's not the that it's like we we just are purposefully ignorant to certain things. It's like we've never been exposed to it. And it's just simple exposure. So now when I give you the same book, now you're like, oh, okay, this is this is cool. I didn't know. And then you're happy. So it's not like people are just being ignorant just because they want to. It's like if you give them the resources, if you invest in them, um, Mm -hmm. and if you put your time into them, then you will you will see results. And I had that same thing. It wasn't that I I just willfully didn't know. I never tried I never explored that those the things that I know now. And right. so now I'm able to go back to my context, the black church, which I love, and give resources and be patient, like you're saying, even with STEM, because it's like, hey, if you just give us the information, we'll be we'll be good. We just need the resources. Yeah. yeah. It's all about access and exposure. Mm-hmm. Expose the kids, expose the students, expose the emerging scholars, and then give them the access they need to take it to another level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, absolutely. It's, it sounds sound, um, simple, but it's not It's not easy because first you got to give them the exposure, which um, Randolph was saying. We have, you got to get the um, black peaches I think you were saying that. I'm, I'm sorry. But just get the black teachers inside the classroom to try to give them exposure of what they can be. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, and honestly, I believe we need to bring back. We have it at our school, but just schools nationwide. Just have an African-American career day, especially for the or minority career day, where you bring in all the underrepresented groups to the inner city schools and show them what great things they can do because... If you can expose them to that type of level of this is the future me, then you can give them access by helping them plan them to get to where they need to be. I guarantee you they can, everybody will have a success story. But then here's the last part. you got They got to make a decision. They got to make that choice that they really want to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, can lead a, you can lead a horse to the water fountain, to the water, but they can't drink it. So you got, they also got to have a decision that they going to actually go through what they want to go through. Like for me, yes, I had um, great mentors. Yes, I had a plan. But it was my, I had to make a decision and make sure I was going to go through with it throughout the whole way. And that takes, this, that takes a lot of discipline. Mm-hmm. As a blessed with it, that's a lot of discipline that you got to do because I'll, I'll let you know. While people in summer, in summers hanging out, chilling, turning up, I was in summer school. That takes a and as a young kid, that, that takes discipline. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some school all year round, night school, day school. That's discipline. Grad school at a young age, your friends turn up Friday night. I'm in the lab working. Cranking out, trying to crank out some data. Sometimes messing up, gotta do it over again. Discipline, discipline, and decisions. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta make sure that you 
get that ingrained. And that only comes from us teachers, a personal accountability of the student, but also increasing our teachers, us as the teachers, our influence and our empowerment in the classroom and what we do each and every day. Now, I'm not just saying that for all the teachers out there. I'm saying that for just us in general who have experience under our belt in anything that we do. Mm-hmm. Anything right. that we do. Absolutely. So, man, so we talked, we've talked about a lot about, you know, your story, where you come from, how we feel about this teaching environment and things like that. What does a 22-year-old PhD do to have a good time, man? Because <laughs> I just feel like I think about myself at 22, and I feel like I was still trying to figure out life, man. Like, I was in college. I'm still trying to just, like, figure everything it's out. Shimmy it's your way like, through, huh? Look at man. <laughs> so it's like, what do you do? <laughs> what do you do as a 22-year-old PhD to just enjoy life, man? And what do you – how do you, you think about, you? you know – you you got things that people at 30 and 40 years old are trying to achieve. So you're there at that point. What, what do you do to just enjoy life, man, and just kind of kick back and balance everything out? To be honest with you, man, I'm just, I do a lot of self-reflection. Okay. I do a lot of self-reflection, and I spend time with the people I love. Okay. Like I said, the discipline part, I mean, I was grinding day in and day out, and I still do the grinding day in and day out. But now I have to, now I'm balanced a little bit to where I can grind day in and day out. However, I have obligation to spend some time with my family. Yeah. I have obligation to spend time with my friends and even talk to my mentors um, when I get a chance to try to balance it out. Now the name of the game and for those who's emerging success, when you hit your first pinnacle of success, now the name of the game is just balancing out your time because you don't want to get too high to where you act like you don't know anybody. Right. But you don't want to be too low in your mind feeling depressing. Damn, I, I can't connect with nobody. So right. that's where you got to balance it out to where you still have the people that are with you to keep you grounded. But also, you know that you're about to shoot for the stars towards other opportunities. Be aware of that, but don't get caught up into that. That's a very mature answer for a yeah. 22-year-old. <laughs> I just literally, I keep thinking about my life as a 22-year-old. And I'm like, bruh, you know, I thought I was doing good, but man. <laughs> it, it, it's all right, baby. You know, we, you shimmy and it's okay. <laughs> So before we go, tell uh, our listeners how they can get in contact with you as far as your your website and uh, all that good stuff. Oh, sure. Um, You can follow me on Instagram is at J-A-H-E-L-Y-T-E-S. That's my personal page on Instagram. You can also follow me at my company page elite universal is just a way to spell it at elite universal e-l-y-t-e universal um website is eliteuniversal.com where you can find all the information about our company um what we have done so far and in addition I, um you can contact you can contact us there as well um we have a little message place you can contact us if you don't 
If you don't have a chance to go to the website to contact us, you can also contact us at our email at Elite Universal 2014. That's E-L-Y-T-E-U-N-I-V-E-R-S-A-L 2014 at gmail.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, bro. We well, definitely so appreciate you joining the show, man. Thank you You're so much. You're the coolest just... iota we ever had on. Come on, man. Lisa, no, cheer. Yo, yo, to the noobs. Go do it. We yo again, man. Noops. Thanks, dude. For pre- we appreciate you coming on the show, man. And, yo, much success to you. If there's anything that Brunch Culture can do to uh, help you promote your company, man, help you promote what you're doing. What you're doing is positive. That's what we're all about, positivity and just spreading good stuff, man. And just young people just out here really trying to change the world. So definitely let us know, man, and we will definitely keep keep supporting you, man, and just keep, keep in touch with you. Peace up. A-Town. And we are back with the toast or roast. Toast or roast. Yeah. And this week I have a toast. I am this toast with like this really I heard it about this listening to uh the Ricky Smiley's morning show one day this past week. Um and my toast is gonna be to I think I'm saying his name right, Stefan Darts. He is a a college student, and also he has, he's a founder of a nonprofit called Caring Heart Youth. He's uh, in Houston, Texas. He presented his grandparents with a $15,000 check and a trip to the Bahamas. The $15,000 check was to pay off their home. Um, he said that since he was in the second grade, when he was in the second grade, he made himself a promise that he would pay off his grandparents' house. Oh, wow. um, in order to help them assist them in retiring. That's so sweet. And he like posted on his his Facebook saying like, you know, I'm I, I it it pained him to see them go to work like every night to just really uh make a way for him mm-hmm. and to create a better life for him. So now that he's in a, a better space, what he's been doing since he was like in high school was when he got money, he was putting money to the side and he was essentially like foregoing going out with his friends and taking trips and stuff like that because he had this goal in mind of he was going to pay for them a trip and he was going to pay off their home, which I think is, you know, we all talk about, I know a lot of people be like, you know, I want to buy my mama a house. I want to buy my mama a house. That's like, I think everybody's thing, like you want to do something nice for your parents, but to have a kid that's still a college student and still so young say, you know what, at an early age, I made this promise and I'm going to see it through uh, to pay off to raise the money that I need to raise to pay off your house so that you guys can retire and retire comfortably. Shout out to Stefan because that is amazing, amazing, amazing. It's not something I've been able to do. I want to do it, but it's not something I've been able to do. But to see somebody put that much work into doing it and to hear about that story and I also hear people highlight it. I didn't see it like I really wish this was something that was 
being talked about on national news outlets, but I want to hear it over and over and over again on podcasts. I listen to a lot of podcasts. So if y'all are out there, if y'all listen to our shows, feature this in, in on your show, because I think this is this guy is somebody that we, you know, we need to celebrate and he should have a spotlight on him because he's doing something so selfless and doing it to people that mean so much to him. So I think it's incredible. So shout out to you. And this week I am toasting to you, Mrs. Stefan Darts. Yeah, shout out to you, Stefan. That's great. Um, today I'll be toasting too. Mine is kind of superficial. It's not as great as Randall's. <laughs> I'm toasting to uh, the girl I follow on Instagram called Jasmine Love because she makes the funniest videos. You and know when you're toasting I'm to Instagram, <laughs> when I'm down, I go watch her videos. Yeah, and they make me laugh. So shout out to you, Jasmine Love. Her Instagram name is at L-U-Z underscore J-J-P. And I sometimes repost her videos on our Brunch Culture uh, uh, Instagram page, but she is hilarious. Yeah. You know, honestly, though, I I, I joke about you toasting somebody for... uh, Toasting somebody from Instagram, but I honestly, I love. So there's a person that I don't want to take away, but there's somebody I follow. I'll like shout about later, and they have like a huge following, so they don't really probably don't need a shout from little old me. <laughs> but she's hilarious as well. Like there are people that on Instagram that come up with some very funny, unique videos. Yeah, that content are creators freaking, are great. Yeah, hilarious, and I literally go. There are very few pages that I log on to go to to see and hers is always the one like one of those pages that I definitely go to and I'm like yeah I want to I, I need to figure that out but yeah shout out to the people in Instagram yeah oh, yeah King you know King Kumran mm-hmm. he just was able to buy him a new house and a new Jeep with creating content and he got out of prison and started doing that. That's what's up. And that's how he made yeah, it. Yeah, that's what's up. See, it's things like that that we, we've talked about this before. And I, I'm going to know I'm getting real hyped like a little kid. But seriously, like, you have the power. You have this cell phone in your hand. You have the same way that, you know, these movie companies and these big-time artists are creating things. I remember learning that, like, Jay-Z and Beyonce use a MacBook and like Pro Tools and iMovie to make their videos. What the, you know what I'm saying? They do it they, themselves? Yeah, they do it themselves. Like Beyonce's little DVD packages, mm-hmm. she puts all that together herself. Oh, wow. Like, yeah, she ha- I mean, of course she hires a team of people to like, to do it, but she's a part of that whole process. The editing and stuff, she learned to edit and she does it herself. Was it the Love on Top video? She said that like she was going through and doing the editing herself. Oh wow! That's you know what I'm saying. That's this. Here's somebody that is amazing talent. Something else, but it's like you know what? I need to learn this, and I'm about to learn. I'm about to use these tools that I got in my hand. I got this MacBook Pro, and I'm about to put this thing to work. And here we go. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. Well, we're gonna leave y'all with our good vibe for today. The good vibe comes from G.K. Chesterton. It says, "One sees great things from the valley, only small things from the peak," um, which is incredible because sometimes we resent. The valleys of our lives, but it's in the valleys that sometimes we see the greatest things, and we learn the most about ourselves and from the peaks. Yes. Sometimes you don't you don't see things as they really are, or you miss a lot of things. So keep that in mind. I'll say it again: one sees great things from the valley, only small things from the peak. Hmm. I love it. 
And as always, guys, we thank you so much for Brunch Culture. That wraps up another episode. We thank you guys for listening to Brunch Culture. Um, make sure you hit us up on our website at www.brunchculturebc.com. Hit us up on Twitter at Brunch Culture and on Instagram at Brunch underscore Culture. Shout out to Lisa for monitoring and keeping up with all of our social media pages because I will let you guys know that I suck at it really, really bad. And Lisa is the woman with the plan and yeah if it wasn't for Lisa V where would brunch culture be team <laughs> 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 work makes the dream work yes woo woo so uh, we, again we thank you guys for listening to us hit us up let us know what you think about uh, today's scroll and also uh, let us know what you think about today's interview uh, definitely hit up um, hit us up and follow us and we're just going to keep trying to bring you guys great content and remember here at brunch culture everything is up for discussion